This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. to another special episode of the Sky Blues Extra podcast, which is kindly sponsored by Shortland Horn, Coventry's leading estate agents. My name is Tom Ward, and I'm joined this evening by Dean. Pleasure to be here, Tom. And I'm also delighted to say we're joined by a very special guest. Our guest this evening started his career at Crystal Palace and had spells at Fulham, Peterborough and Norwich before joining the Sky Blues in 2006, where he scored 14 goals in 62 appearances. He went on to have a career in boxing, where he was victorious in eight out of his 11 fights, um, having had his own struggles with mental health, he's now an ambassador for Calm and has been speaking publicly a lot on the topic since his retirement from sport. I'm, of course, talking about Leon McKenzie. Evening, Leon. Thanks a lot for joining us on the Skyview's Extra podcast. How you doing, guys? Thanks for inviting me on. Much appreciated. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's really good to have you on, Leon. We uh, appreciate you giving up some of your time. Um, what we tend to well, do really is sort of go back to the start um, and just sort of learn a bit about you, I guess, before your career in football. Um, so, yeah, tell us a little bit, I guess, about your upbringing. I think you were brought up in Croydon, is that right? Yes, I was, I was brought up in, in, well, I was born in Croydon, Mayday Hospital. Um, my mum and dad were together at the time. My dad was a professional boxer, a British European champion. I was around boxing at very, very early ages, so I was sort of in and out of gyms and um, adding my uncle Duke to that he was a former three-time world champion I was always around sort of boxing but football sort of took off for me around about sort of seven eight years old sort of fell in love with football I yeah. think the film Escape to Victory that um, I kind of fell in love with oh, really yeah Pele was the uh, the main source of, of my love for, for wanting to become a professional footballer and then as, uh, as the years went on Ian Wright was my main sort of mentor who pretty much mentored me f- throughout my career actually as a footballer um, 
and just kind of grew. I was playing for school, um, county, district, and all the things that come with it. And I actually was, um, I actually probably was about 14, just, just, just turned 14 when I actually got a trial for Crystal Palace. So I was actually quite late joining a, a professional club. I hadn't been, yeah. I hadn't done the, you know, the, uh, sort of um you know as a kid and you're in the sort of like the the the, the process of 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 being taught like a professional would be taught um i went in there pretty late pretty raw had ability but pretty raw so i was a little bit actually behind just uh, my awareness of the professional game when i went to crystal palace so i was on trial for a very long time six months but I had the ability of, um, I guess what separates me from a lot is the, the mindset and the ability to give my all and try and, and, you know, even if it's not going right, I'd still be there. You'll know I'm on the pitch. Um, I have that in me, um, where, you know, it might not be going well, but I can assure you I would still make sure I do something to to have an effect in the game and I've learned that from an early age I learned that from when I didn't have anything you know car at Crystal Palace for months and months and then thinking oh my gosh am I actually going to get a YTS contract yeah um and when I actually did get that I was I wasn't a first pick striker as a youth team player I was still a little bit behind I had to work tirelessly day in, day out, working on, on, on my game, working on my weaknesses, constantly working harder than probably everyone else. Uh, and then but a year later or so, became probably one of the best strikers in England, really, um, competing with the likes of like Michael Owen, Jason Yule, mm. players like that, Carl Court. Um, I did actually actually uh, play for England, but you know I was I was up there as a top 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 goal scorer in the youth level, and, and yeah. I had one one fantastic season uh, for Crystal Palace in the youth team. Scored a hell of a lot of goals, and then I got called up to the first team and made my debut at seventeen years old. So considering that this was a kid that sort of come from an uneducated background within football, straight from Sunday League, um, to go into a professional club and then give or take three years later be making his professional debut was some doing. But mm. that stayed with me as time goes on, that sort of stayed with me for the duration of my career that you know, most people would want them want me in their team just because of my sheer ability to 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 fight for lost causes to 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 give my all and and um obviously had an eye for goal yeah not so much at coventry but i was i had um i think with with with, with going to coventry um what a you know, fantastic club and it was a you know it's come off the back of being you know uh, probably a season before coming to you was in the premiership and mm. it was just a time where I felt 
oh man, like, what I really want to do well here. And you could tell that because I just that's how I play anyway. But unfortunately, I just felt that I didn't get that right opportunity to play in my natural position. Yeah, yeah. And and I feel that was just a little bit of a everything I had to adapt. You know, I'm playing out of position now. My body's doing different runs. I'm there was so many things that I had to adapt to, which I wasn't used to doing. Even though I could play that because I played some fantastic games there. But at the same time, I was a striker. And, you know, although I only got 14 goals and 62 appearances, I believe that I probably could have got a lot more if I'd have been given the opportunity to probably play more so up front or had someone that is just going to compliment me. Like, you know, your Dean Ashtons who were, you know, I needed... I needed that help, you know. I didn't have no sort of Davin Huckabees as such. Sure. I didn't have no Dean Ashton's alongside me, really, no disrespect to the strikers I had. It was yeah. just, I felt everyone was sort of just competing for themselves. Yeah. And, yeah. and I felt that, you know, I came there for for a lot of money and I, I wanted to do the best I could. And injuries came into play, which was just, you know, it, it couldn't, couldn't, um, I couldn't write really again. It's just when when my body started breaking down was just soul destroying. Um, yeah, but I did my best. Did my best. I can say you know obviously before going to Coventry, I've had a fantastic sport at Norwich and um, done great at Peterborough, where I found myself again. And then just I really can't complain with with how how things went, being that my body was not being kind to me really mm. uh, but I still battled still battled on and still tried to come back and yeah definitely you know strangely we're, we're, we're here where we are yeah well, well we'll definitely get into the your sort of commentary days in a bit more detail later on I just wanted to go back to when you were sort of playing football as a kid you mentioned Ian Wright is that was that someone you kind of modelled yourself on then with what, what aspects of his game did you sort of try and emulate just so just an eye for, to score goals. It wasn't mm-hmm. much I wanted to be like Ian, right? It was, this was a guy that I looked at and I thought, just loved his energy, loved his passion, loved the way he scored goals, loved the way he celebrates. I want some of that. I want to, you know, implement that into my game. And yeah. I just took, I took a lot of things from different types of strikers and I just made it into me. Yeah. And that's what I, what I've done but yeah um, I remember playing in the premiership for Norwich and you know used to be on the phone to write quite a lot um, I remember playing at, at Spurs at White Hart Lane actually um, playing away and it was a nil-nil but I had the chance to make it one nil it was my only chance of the game and I didn't get my shot off quick enough and oh man he, he absolutely hammered me it's like Lee come on what did I tell you get your feet out can you, um, can you get the shot off quicker? Move your feet. Da, 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 da. But it was really <laughs> and, and and it was just great to have someone of that mag, you know, someone of that stature, to just to kind of say, yeah, you could have done this better, or you know, brilliant game today, or whatever. I think it's really interesting when you said that it took you a while to sort of get into the sort of the youth rank at Palace, and I know you're obviously involved in that sort of boxing game with, with your uncle and your dad at the time. What sort of attributes do you think helped you from the sort of the, 
the boxing aspect of things, which you obviously would have grown up in, in going into into the football side of things. What helped me? Yeah. Being around champions, being around champion mindset, understanding that when it does get hard and you have to grit your teeth or write down in your gum shield, like I know what it's like to be in that ring from early ages. So for me to walk on the football pitch, that's why I had a bit of a bounce to to the way I uh, my mannerisms were. Not because I was being cocky, but I run on there as if I'm like, you know, we're about to fight now. It was just embedded in me. So that's what's what sort of separated a lot of my mindset to, to many because you only have to look at the way I played with that explosive um, attitude of wanting to win that you'd see that was a little bit different. And you obviously made your, your debut for, for Palace in, in that 95-96 season. Tell us about that moment. It must have been a proud proud day for not just for yourself but for your family too. It's, an amazing, one of the, it's a dream come true but you know, you get to a point where well, I got to a point where I've done a lot of visualisation and I know how hard I've worked and all my life I've been a bit of a grafter either way. So I kind of visualised that that happening. When I, start, when I actually turned pro and I started training with the first team and then I started visualising things. I just, I saw myself scoring. I saw, I saw it. Um, and I just held on to that and kept doing it. And, you know, when that day finally did come, it was a dream come true, but it was like I'd already kind of, that dream had already been reality. Yeah, you knew it was going to happen in your in your heart of minds, effectively. Yeah, time-wise, I couldn't put a time on it, but I knew that I was going to get some kind of opportunity to to do it. And, and that's exactly what happened. It's interesting to say that because if you, if you listen to sort of the top level fighters now, you Anthony Joshua's, etc., they all say they visualise things happening in their lives, and it's 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 great to see that you visualise that happening too. I mean, that's, I've never really stopped those visualisations. If everything I've done, I've always, when I've wanted to achieve certain things, I've always tried to put my mind into whatever it is that I want to achieve even with all my speaking stuff that I do around mental health now, you know, little did I know that I'd speaking in front of hundreds of people about a topic that, you know, pretty much nearly killed me. So it's one thing standing up and, and speaking in front of people anyway, but there's another thing where you're speaking about a topic that is truly sensitive to you, but still being able to affect other people from speaking that, you know, I kind of visualized myself standing up on stage speaking you know speaking to massive groups of people and same same principle just take take what, what I take with me mm. and just going back to your sort of career before commentary you, I think you also had spells at Fulham and Peterborough didn't you um how did they sort of help your development as a player Fulham situation um was like only a month but I didn't I actually went there and didn't really play I think I had one okay. Yeah, yeah. I had one. I had one start, but there were some political things going on with Kevin Keegan and Ray Wilkins at the time. Mm. It was quite political, so the time I went was just not. It was not. It wasn't great. Not the right timing. It wasn't my right time, and I came back to Palace, and it was like, oh man, 
I didn't really want to be going on loan too much anymore if it was going to be like that. Because I remember coming back to Palace and saying to Steve, I'm so glad to be back. Mm. Steve Couple, I sat down with Steve Couple and he was like, and he just laughed and he was like, well, I just, he just said like, I'm just, I just didn't enjoy that. So that was the experience I got from that. But yeah. then I went alone to like Peterborough. Done really well there. Really enjoyed my time. Uh, because when I went there, Barry Fry treated me like a superstar for money. Mm. Treated me like he wanted me. Treated me like I'm the main man. All of a sudden, you see a, a different Leo McKenzie, which is, yeah. you know, the psychology which uh, a ma- which management can can have is 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 so important for a player. Yeah, and they made that um, into a permanent. That was a permanent move, wasn't it? In the end, it was only a permanent permanent move. Yeah, because again, what happens is sometimes you get all different types of managers that come in and then always have the best interest, the club's best interest. Like your Alan Smith, Alan Smith said, mm. Alice didn't like me. When Simon Jordan came in, Simon Jordan will tell you this because I worked with him at TalkSport. Now, you know, he, 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 he was portrayed things about me. Like he, he, like Alan Smith basically got me out of the club and he kind of, was listening to Alan Smith at the time. Therefore, my Crystal Palace um, career was was pretty much over because one man just didn't like me, and that's mm. how that's how interesting it can get. It wasn't down to me as such. He just didn't like me, and he got he got me out of the club, and then obviously got into the chairman's mind. Uh, and Simon said, "You know what? Regrets, regrets, regrets how he he treated me, and regrets what." how that situation he said he learned a lot from it and he said to, to, to see me go on and actually you know play in the premiership and do as well as I did he's like you know what I apologise and that I, I take my hat off to that yeah and then you had a you had a spell at Norwich before signing for the Skyviews in 2006 how did the sort of move to Coventry come about uh, I was going through a bit of, I was going through a few problems towards the back end of my Coventry career. Um, it was quite difficult, actually. But um, from from uh, from no, so not back end of my Coventry career, the back end of my Norwich career. Mm. Uh, I'm going through divorce and stuff. And um, my children, I, I needed to. I just needed to be sort of closer. Um, I needed to to some stuff out and personal things were going on. And I, I thought it was probably time to to probably go. I sort of fell out with Nigel Worthington at the time. Um, and then again, it was just it just did it didn't go the way where I wanted it to. It wasn't because I wanted to leave the club. It was just, you know what? I need to, to sort a few things up personally. And and that's why I ended up uh, coming to Coventry and then trying to, I wanted a fresh start. I wanted a fresh challenge. And obviously, Mickey Adams was, was your manager when you joined. What was it like playing under him? Mickey's old school manager. Mickey was... was, was 
cool. I was very grateful to Nikita because he gave me an opportunity to come in and um, I felt like I would have come in and I felt like he had he knew what I was about. He had confidence in me, and then somewhere along the line, it sort of it, everything he sort of promised me didn't map out the way it was when I first come. Um, I don't know what that was. I don't know why, but it just didn't. It didn't work. I don't know. Um, good manager to the point of like when it, when things are going great, cool. But when things are not, then, you know, I thought there was a few sort of areas where he might have panicked a little bit, you know, brought in um, the likes of, um, you know, the Kevin Kyles, mm. Ben John there, that was, you know, me and him didn't get on at all to start off, me and Stan. Yeah. Me, me and him didn't get on at all at the beginning. And that took time to for us two to become sort of friends is only we only really sort of become friends when i left <laughs> was that just down to characters though they two different characters or? i'm a very strong character and also i can look after myself so no one really goes over the mark in that respect um obviously i was closer with dele dele shall i say at the bowler um we had a all right relationship i so enjoy playing with dele actually because he used to take quite a lot of the you know the, the the hefty defenders, um, and um, I used to sort of seem to kind of gel well with him. Um, but yeah, very stern, very intelligent player, very technically te- technically on point. But it was points where I, I just think like, oh man, like it's just, it's just there was lots of kind of ego going on at the time, and I wasn't coming here to try and take no one's spot as such. I was just coming here to try and be the best I could but at the same time help Coventry get to you know a better place and there was just I just felt like the the player the personnel was just wrong we didn't fight like I never found that partner but then in all fairness I was playing left midfield probably the best part of what how many seasons did I play left midfield for mm. you know? the whole way through wasn't it well, to compliment other strikers, because yeah. I can play out there. You can't play Stan John out on, on the left or, 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 or on the wing, can you? Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you know, if you leave Stan John out, there's going to be, you know, a lot of um, tension there. Let's try and accommodate everyone, try and make everyone happy. You're not going to play Kevin Carl out on, on the wing either. But hold on a minute, Leon's got a bit about him. He can't actually play out there, therefore let's just do a job for me, Leon. And that doing a job for me went from doing a job to now trying to find myself as a player and trying to prove myself at another club that I've come for a lot of money for on the left wing. So I did the best I could. <laughs> I did the best I could, but, you know, it, it, sometimes this is how football is and, and, it, it, and I don't um, put blame on anyone or anything. Like I say, I came there, done the best I could. I had some horrendous injuries, ruptured Achilles, ruptured fire, and that was just like the ending of me, really. You're back in your Coventry career as well, didn't they? Those injuries. Nice. It was a. It was heartbreaking. You know, no one sees. No one sees the tears when I'm when I ruptured my Achilles against Birmingham under Coleman. 
you know, when I'm going back into that treatment room, no one, none of you see my tears and my pain and, and my family, you know, crying and my kids and, you know, I'm, and it's, you know, things happen, but in all fairness to me, like, it was some, it was, it was, it was hard to take. Yeah. Especially coming back and then rupturing my thigh. Like, what is the chances of that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then I come, and then I got back from that. And then the first game I thought was I score my hundredth goal against my old club. You know, and that was just a, a disrespect. Uh, yeah, that wasn't a disrespect against Norwich. That was a that was me just, you know, being on ninety nine goals for a little while, and then obviously just getting my hundredth career goal and just saying, "Oh, do you know what? Okay, at least I've reached that now." But yeah, I don't know. Does that go down as your favourite Skyboos goal? So I mean, obviously we all remember the celebration with the hundred vest on, which was very funny. No, nah, it wasn't. It wasn't so much my. It wasn't so much my favourite goal, no. Because um, because it was against Norwich, it didn't make it my favourite goal. But what I have to understand is is that is is everything I'd I'd gone through to reach that point. That's why it was a special goal. Um. They're all sort of special. They scored some better goals than that for Coventry, but you know, it was just. Um, I think it was just just everything I've been through and understanding, kind of a, a relief in a way. Uh, it, it was it was a relief to, to try, I suppose, to try and be back. Yeah, it was a relief, and and that was that. Now I'm going to be a bit of a bit of a fanboy, Leon, because you were one of my favourite players during that era. Um, and what, I, Coventry, yeah, you definitely were. Yeah. Um, I felt like really excited every time you got the ball. Yeah, because I was that kind of player. This yeah, is what I'm this is what I'm trying to say. Where that's why you know what, and it, it, and and yeah. anyone that knows me understands me to the point of like how I played in us, whatever club I've been at. You know, like, there's going to be a bit of a fight today. Like, I'm out there and we're going to, you know, if I don't score, we we do something. I'll, I'll have some kind of, you know, example in the game of, of, of leadership or, or wanting to win. But I just felt that, and I really appreciate, you know, when people say, oh, you know, you're one of my favourite players, it's overwhelming for me because, you know, like, I know what it meant to me, but, I would say I never really reached my true, true potential in football because of what my body done to me. And yeah. it broke down in such a way in, in certain times of my career. And it's not a feel sorry for me. It's not a like, oh, please feel sorry for me kind of attitude. It's not. But I'm trying to, you know, when when, when you hear certain things and, and you know, I, I, the injuries that I had, Oh man, I mean, I spent half of my career trying to get back playing. So when I hear, you know, you was one of my favourite players, I'm like, wow, like I had some great games and I scored some great goals and important goals and scored a lot of goals. But at the same time, I was like, well, I wish you would have seen me when I was super <laughs> fit. You know, if I had a, if I just had a, I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever maybe one time in my career where I've probably put or I've played maybe 10 games together I don't think I've ever had a, had a, a full season without an injury yeah do you know what I mean so 
It's just having yeah. that momentum, I suppose, as well, isn't it? You know, if you don't play a bunch of games in a row, etc., and injuries hold you back, you don't really get that momentum, and that's what takes you forward. Yeah, I guess so. It's like anything, isn't it? You need, you need um, momentum in, in anything you do because that gains confidence. But unfortunately for me, most of the times when I entered the pitch, I would be so concerned about being injured that sometimes it would affect my actual game. I'm so worried about breaking down on my body or I felt a twinge in my hamstring or my thigh or my car. Something would just be like, niggling on at me so I wouldn't even be able to play to the best of my ability because my body wasn't allowing me to Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Did you feel a lot of love from the Sky Blues fans at your time at the club? I mean, I, I speak I, to a I lot of fans I, and, yeah, and they, don't, they don't have many bad words to say about you for, for sure. Well, I'm glad there's not many. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad there's not many, but here, here's the thing. You're never going to please everyone. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, you've got to understand that I played out of position for a lot of time I was at Coventry and I had a lot of dreadful injuries which was always a bit of a fight back for me. I actually felt that I, me and Coventry, we connected. Like you, like you say, when I'm on the ball and I could make things happen and I felt like I had the ability to do that and I was a, an exciting player and I felt that they connected with that. They felt my spirit. They felt my energy. They felt I wanted to win. Even if I wasn't playing that well, they just felt that I wanted to be there. I was happy to wear the shirt. I was happy to 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 try hard and 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 die trying. Like that's the type of player I was. So for anyone to say like, oh yeah, you know, no, I didn't rate McKenzie and blah blah blah. Well, come and sit in the treatment room with me most of my career, and then you you'll gain a different understanding on what it was actually like to even try and be out on that pitch and what it meant to me. That's why, you know, I don't really listen to negative energy because it doesn't make sense for me because I know what I've done and how hard I've worked to even get on the pitch, let alone score goals and so forth. But I would say nine times out of ten, the fans I get, they showed me love. Most, most places where I've been have shown me love. I don't think I've been to a club and I've been... Like the heat's on. I just don't. Mm. That's the honest truth. Yeah, and you were you were at the club in that oh eight oh nine season under Chris Coleman, and if I was fans like there was there's quite a lot of expectation on that team. It was quite a sort of good squad they put together. Um, did you were you quite excited by the that team that that Chris Coleman had, had put together? Excited, but never again excited to the point of like, well, you know, Chris didn't bring me in as a player. Yeah. Um, and there was 
it was quite choppy changey. A lot of managers were getting chopped mm. and another manager was coming in. It's like you have to prove yourself all over again, regardless of the history I had. But we had some fantastic players. You know, you look at it, you know, you your Leon Best, you know, Freddie coming in, Eastwood, you know, all these. I mean, if anything, Freddie had immense ability, yeah. immense ability. But I can tell you this for free. There's a hundred percent I should have played up front. Like I believe that where I was at, I feel that you know now you brought, you're, you're basically bringing in Freddie to sort of take my spot. So that you're not confident in in me to be a centre forward. Yeah. But you know what, Freddie was a fantastic player. But can you say he really did it for Coventry? No. And a lot of time, I feel like he had a lot of opportunities. Playing up front in the position that he's used to, did it really happen? I don't think so. Mm, no, but you've got a player that you bought to the club for a million pounds, playing on on the left mid on the left midfield, mm. and that's got to try and perform well because everyone, all all the people, all fans that will see is that, okay, Leon's come to score goals, but oh, he's not scoring many goals. But he's playing outside, he's playing out wide. Now I'm having to set goals up, even if I even start the game. Yeah. So there was a lot of imbalance. It was like it was just too many like square pegs, round hole situation. Yeah, like what's what's what's, what's truly going on? Like you know, again, Vesti, good player, strong, similar, not as explosive as, as as like myself, a bit of a different sort of player, but done okay. There was lots of players that done okay. Yeah. Um, and we had a great side, but yeah, I don't know, just for whatever reason, didn't gel. Um, yeah, do you think the club underachieved in in your time there? A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. With the players and the the personnel that we had, I think it should have done a lot. We should have done a lot more better in how things went. I, I really do believe that. Um, Ian Dowie was probably the mo the one that I think he was probably the one that believed what what I was about, understood my my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he, 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 he was... I was glad to see him go, actually. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. Um, we're now going to move on a little bit and, um, and talk about mental health, Leon. Um, we know it's something that's been talked about a lot this year and you know we often see a lot of fans on our social media channels talking about it and trying to support each other, I guess, really, for obviously what's been a, a tough year. Um, it's obviously well documented that you've had your struggles with depression during your football career. Um, just wanted to ask a little bit around that, really. When did you sort of become aware, I guess, of, of the struggles you had with depression? Um, well, if I go back to my childhood, I noticed little traits of... Um, I was a little bit more sensitive than, than the average kid. Um, quite in touch. With, with my emotions and, and just, yeah, just very sensitive towards a lot of things. But I didn't really understand depression then. I didn't really understand at all. I didn't get it, to be honest. And, you know, as things go on in life, you have to go through your own life and your own circumstances. Um, you know, no one, no one really sort of teaches you about depression as such. Well, I, I was never taught or... Mm about the mind, about, you know, what, what, what can happen and the mind can break down and, yeah. you know, you do need to 
look after that. But especially when you have trauma in your life. I had I had trauma as a child in my life, but I never really dealt with it. Just bottle things up as we do as men. And then what happens is is that things will just spiral out of control, especially when you have trauma in your life and you don't tackle it straight away or get help. Um, then losing my sister to suicide early on, you know, 23 years old, she takes her own life, <laughs> bottled that up, didn't really get help with that. And then it's only until I start going into my own personal surroundings. And it can be as simple as missing my children or going for another divorce or just like life hiccups and not coping with life. Like, I don't care how much money you've got. I don't care who you are. I don't care what it is you do. Everyone has a trigger. Everyone. And mm. some people deal with things differently. And some people don't cope with certain things that has been brought to them in their life. I started understanding depression because I was starting to get affected by how my mind was being. So when I, you know, I started when I was going through the injury situation at Coventry, none of you would know what I'm going through. You just think, oh, you know, injured again. Mm. But I can tell you this. I was a mess psychologically. My mind was breaking down by the minute, but I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do with it. And then obviously, was there a lack of support then, Leon, at that time around was, around the sort of the issues? Nothing. There wasn't nothing. There wasn't no. There was nothing. It was it was nothing. It was nothing. You see what I mean? It was only until I went to I went to Charlton after obviously Coventry, but the way I was treated at Charlton. Um, so the way I was treated at, at Coventry at the end, when I ruptured my Achilles and I got back, um, you know, I was promised another year or so. And then, you know, the, the, the way the way that that chairman at the time treated me, I can't even remember his name. Um, at Coventry? Yeah. Ray Ranson? 100% just didn't treat me right, just didn't. Him, Chris Coleman, all of them... And they know my heart, they know me, but I can assure you I wasn't it wasn't cool. When I left Coventry, I was trying to hold on to football. I was just trying to hold on to my career. That's why I went went to, to sorry, went to Charlton, sorry. Um and I could ne I never got back. But my mind was breaking down so much that I was just like in a place of of desperate measures. And I, I, I remember I couldn't. I kept getting injured, kept getting injured at Charlton, and all of a sudden, I just completely lost my my mind. Gave up on me, and I and I don't give up on nothing. And my children are my everything. They are my life. But I gave up on everything, and I and I tried to end my life. I tried to take it. Gone. I'm so lucky to be here today. So lucky. If he, if you would have took me back to this hotel room that I was in in Charlton um, and someone would have said to me you know what Leon in the next few years you're going to become a champion boxer you're going to become a mental health advocate you're going to have your own merchandise you're going to be a co-host at TalkSport I would have looked at them and think they were crazy mm. but this is why I do everything I do today ever since I tried to take my life I ever since retiring from football 
ever since I I, I I I went through them dark dark places, you know, no one seeing my tears, no one seeing my pain, right? Ever since then, I was like, okay, um, I need to fight back. I need to show everything I, I, I showed in my careers. I need to put into my life, um, and I did that. And I, I'm not ashamed of speaking now and being a full force since 2012 I've been speaking about mental health and I've become a full force in, in, in within sport within society in the respect of everything I say from a positive element my story isn't for people to feel sorry for me or look, look at this footballer did it or boxer or whatever it's nothing to do with that it's just keeping it real 100 like so after, to learn from from others yeah because after my football career you know, reality comes in, you know, things happen, you know, things happen. And, you know, sometimes when you're not prepared, then you, you, you can fall in a way where you can't, sometimes people don't get back up from that fall. I was, I was fortunate to get back up from that fall, but sometimes people don't. I've done normal jobs. After football, I went and worked for DPD. I've, did, I've done normal jobs. I'm not scared to do normal jobs. I'm even thinking about trying to recruit into the fire service right now. Like, it's not it's not so much a, it's about trying to understand your transitions in life and understand you know yes you can fall in life but when you you get up and you, you look around and you, and, and you, you know, you've got that ability to say, right, I am going to beat this and I'm going to fight and I'm going to get help. I'm going to get the right help and talk and do everything I can to show my kids about what it's like to fight back so all my babies understand everything I do, everything I've achieved, everything. And for me, they understand that my purpose, they understand what their daddy's about, they understand that you know what? Yeah, we've seen dad fall. We've seen dad go to prison. We've seen dad make bad choices. We've seen dad suffer and go through pain and cry and everything else that comes with it. But you ask all my children like what their dad's about and they can tell you straight away and they all understand about fighting it. They all understand about that fight back ability in life. doesn't matter what you succeed and how famous you are, how much you achieve. Life can turn you upside down and then you have to reinvent yourself all over again. I keep, I keep on reinventing myself all over again, every time. And that's what I'm about. That's what I'm trying to do, inspire others. I know what it's like to feel in that dark place. And, I'm, 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 and that's why I hold that passion. It's the same thing. How you see, my play, how you see me play, how you see me fight in a boxing ring is how I approach life. It's really inspiring and like encouraging to hear you so open and frank and honest about the situation because you know it, it's a major, major talking point. But I want to take you back to something you said there at the top of um, at the top of the question. You said men bottle it up. Why is that stigma still attached to men? And and do you think it's it's slowly disappearing? It's attached to men because it's, it's sometimes down to positions, judgment. And a, a form of weakness. Some some men have that in their head that oh you know it, it makes them weak to to feel like that they're not mentally coping well. No, it shouldn't be that way, right? Listen, I've not been talking for how long. I've been talking for for me to be pretending. I don't pretend. So everything I say 
I feel no way to 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 pull it out there. You know, you only have to hear the way I speak. That's why I'm able to go and speak to to many people. And I can assure you that there'd be one person in that 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 group or crowd or whatever that will listen and hear everything I'm saying, and it will ring true to their life, and it will keep them holding on just from what I'm saying because. I'm just keeping it real. I'm keeping it 100 to the point of like, you know, life can change just like that. We can lose people just like that. Look at everything that's going on with this pandemic now. It's it's, it's Things happen in life, but we've got to find the ability and find the way to do what's best for ourselves and for our family and understand that, you know what? It's okay to talk. It's the best communication you know, being able to speak to your wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands, mums, dads, family, keep everyone, everyone tight, tight unit. Understand that, you know, talking is the best communication to be able to move forward, to be able to, to, to understand your healing, to understand like, okay, you know, once, you know, once upon a time, I was a premiership footballer. Once upon a time, I was a championship boxer. Now we're here, understanding that, okay, what can I do to continue to move forward, but in a different light? What can I do to help other people? What can I do to inspire other people? This is what I do. This is what I want to do. This is, this is it. Um, and, it, it, you know, I have a normal job. I, I, I'll, I'll go have a normal job, but I'll still be on talk sport. I'll still be, you know, in, in, a, in the public eye. But I can, I can, I can assure you, I'll, I'll have a stability job or, or, or whatever that will be. It, I, I'm no different to any human being just because I've been a Premiership footballer or I've been a Championship boxer. I am no different to to someone else that who's just trying to transition. I don't hold on to what I used to be and what I had, or how much money I used to have or whatever. It means nothing. It's about going forward, isn't it? And and how how you overcome you know the, these battles in in life. It's about going forward and trying to do the best you can day in, day out. Because, you know, as much as one day can be how it is, uh, you know, tomorrow is not always necessarily going to be the same. So you've got to understand the choices that you make in your own life. And the, the and the best way to do that is by little steps, trying to do the right things, trying to keep productive, trying to be as positive as you can in the areas that aren't so positive and staying and keeping your, your loved ones and everyone close and doing the best you can day in day out because it ain't easy. And and you you brought up about you know being open, frank, and, and talking about the situation. And you've started a new new series on on Talksport, yeah. um, titled "After the Lights Go Out," conversing with former professional athletes about how to deal with life yeah. after their retirement. Now I've listened to the Kieran Dyer episode and the Wayne Bridge episode. They're both absolutely fantastic. And listen, listeners, if you get the chance, please go and listen to them because. They're really frank. Everybody's really frank and honest about the situation. Even Steve Harmison as well. Um, yeah. Really encouraging to hear these guys. Do you, mm. do you feel like there's been improvement now over, over the years to give sports people retiring the support they need to, to continue with their lives? Yeah, I think there's, there's improvement. There is improvement. Um, there's still a long way to go. There's still a long way to go, you know, and, um, and that's the reality. But considering to when I was sort of put, playing to where where things are now of course there's improvement but saying that 
there's still athletes taking their lives, isn't there? Yeah. So it's it's a thin line, but we still got to keep trying and and collectively helping each other push forward. You know, I, I do stuff for Laps, which is a company I bought shares into. Life after professional sport. Robbie Simpson, who founded it, called me, who we played with, you know, together at Coventry. Yep. You know, said Lee, I want you to do the workshops. Like, speak to these kids that feel like they can identify with you. You know, I, I speak to under sixteens, under eighteens, under twenty threes. Prepare them for life after football. You know, that's what I do in the Premiership now. Um, you know, those type of things. That's what's meaningful for me. Obviously, you're an ambassador for Calm. Um, you know, you do a lot of work for them. Tell us a bit about that, Leon. Uh, Calm, yeah. I mean, they're, I'm an ambassador. They're a great charity, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're a fantastic uh, charity. I've done a few bits for them. I'm, I'm, I'm very... Uh, you know, very uh, grateful to even have the position to be an ambassador for them. And that kind of led me to, to create my own sort of brand, really. So my hashtag fight it has become a company um, where, you know, uh, I'm now starting to have merchandise uh, through that company now, which is my, the message is, 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 is fight it. So in mm. the it is, you know, uh, mental health conditions, you know, whether that be anxiety, stress, depression, OCD, whatever it may be, um, that that's in the it. And then obviously, you know, the fight stands for what it is. And then obviously you've got your get help, you get help talk. I believe those, those, these, you know, these five words, um, I think, you know, saved, saved my life in the end because I made, I made the choice to, to fight it. Yes, I did go into a professional boxing ring and, you know, life got even worse for me, really, after, you know, a divorce and everything, you know, just life things, you know, things got tough for me. But I, I, I continued to roll up my sleeves and I had to do what I had to do and 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 start again and, and the transitions and understanding my journey and not beating myself up all the time. You know, I was very hard on myself. Um, not beating myself up constantly, you know, not 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 shutting myself away all the time. Yeah, and and just being um, you know, what I do now to help my days. Some days now, you know, I still I still sometimes doubt can creep in that the demons can be tapping on my shoulder. At, mm. at, you know, some days, and I I try and always do something that will help me. That whether it's as simple as going for a walk, you know, or being around my partner. Um, fundamentally probably being around my children because they are like my strength yeah so, you know I try and I try and do those things to, to help the days that aren't great when it comes to understanding but I've got great understanding on, on those days now so I'm able to identify when they're sort of coming um, and identify what I need to do to make the choice to move forward um, so if I am down or I'm having a day or two where it's not so great, I'll embrace those days, but I ain't going to sit down forever. I'll try and continue to keep trying because I feel like, like I've always said, like when you try in life, you never fail. Mm. Yeah. And obviously the, the past year or so has been, been very tough, you know, especially with no football to go to. It's obviously a, you know, it's a really important thing for a lot of people. 
they're going to football. Um, you know, and, and a lot of our followers obviously talk about how much they're missing it. What would you say to anyone who's sort of struggling with, with mental health and depression specifically? Right, I mean, if you listen to what I've just been speaking about probably for the past half an hour, um, mm. I'd, hope, I'd hope that you'd grab something from what I've said. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe if you didn't understand, then it's about understanding your journey, understanding to be kind to yourself, but knowing what to do when times do get hard. So it's one of them where talking is the best therapy. Like yeah. I, I have my own private therapy to talk about lots of stuff, um, which I try and deal with the best I can. And it's just one of the best things for me. It really is. You know, um, you know, like I say, staying close to my kids and keeping active. I mean, I try and keep as active as I can. It's not been the greatest, greatest thing right now, has it, you know, um, with this terrible situation that we've been in. Um, but again, it's, it's about trying to do the best you can while you can in, in the times of, of, of when it is, it is difficult. And that's all you can do. That's all one can do is, is, mm-hmm. is try and communicate and, and just understand that, okay, you're going to have some bad days, but just don't let them bad days turn into to weeks and months and then you're in a situation where you can't get back up. That's what I'm trying to prevent. That's what it's about. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. Just to move on a bit, and we want to talk a little bit about your boxing career as well. Uh, on this. You, you made your boxing debut in 2013 and you won in the second round in your first fight. Um, that must have been a special moment for you, Leon. Massive. My first time on Sky, you mean? Uh, yeah, your, fir- your first boxing fight. Oh no! My, oh no! Yeah, my first, um, my my debut, yeah, was great. It ended in round two by a stoppage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Listen, when I first turned professional, they people weren't really too sure of what was really going on. They never really understood, but like me, and my family knew. But I've always known that I was pretty handy. I've I've been it's been in my blood from seven years old. Um. So it's in my DNA. Like I, I'm, I'm from, I'm from a special family, and I think, you know, it was, it was just in me. I, I just didn't think I'd get the opportunity to, to ever jump into a professional boxing ring. I was 35 years old, and this is off the back of, you know, going through certain things that I, I hadn't planned for it to be that way, but. I had to literally fight back in life. I had to again, once again. And yes, it was before Tyson Fury and everyone else that has ever spoke about the fight back. I, I had to fight back and I did it. And and um, little did I know that I'd go on to to fight for English titles, Southern area titles, win, win an international masters title. And, you know, yeah, pretty much me went seven fights being undefeated and obviously got into the title contentions and unfortunately, you know, at 39 years old, <laughs> you know, you know, being in the ring at 39 years old, fighting against someone that's best part of 42 fights in experienced pro, um, father time caught up with me and, and I had to just, you know, I had to retire in the way I felt was in a respectable way with, I knew I'd give him my all, 
with the 11 pro fights I had, I'd, I'd given everything. And in four years, some people don't even fight for the titles I fought for. Um, was, was uh, you know, in all their careers, let alone within four years. I was going to say, you must be incredibly proud to have achieved sort of the heights you have in, in two professional sports. I don't know many people have done it in two professional sporting environments. Maybe only Michael Jordan you know, comes to, to my mind, but you must be really proud. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, um, it's a, it's a yeah, proud because of the actual journey is from. You know, it's my journey. No one can take that away from me. So I know what I've done and I know what I did and I know how I trained and I know how to you know, prove myself. And, and I, you know, I left the sport of boxing, not only had to hold such a powerful Mackenzie boxing name, but um, I, I found my own way. I, I created my own journey. I created my own space for me. Um, and when I left the sport of boxing, I was respected by, by probably everyone in the sport of boxing. And, and that's a big deal, you know. My last fight, title fight, although I lost um, one fight of the year, you know, it, it's just it just goes down to character at the end of the day. And all the people that were, you know, wrote me off and you know, oh, what's this guy? You know, this weren't no this weren't no joke for me, you know. And and it, you know, to get to elite levels, that best part of thirty eight, thirty nine years old, is is some doing. Yeah, it's an incredible achievement. I want to ask, how how different did it feel scoring a goal to to knocking somebody out personally? Like the sort of the inner feelings. Yeah, um, it's it's different, but it, it, again, it's, it's a different mindset. I knew I knew what it felt like to to I I enjoyed fighting, so it was like my it was like it's very second nature to me. It's very like you know. I loved, um, not in a horrible way, but, you know, I, I like to fight and, and, I, and I'll fight and that's what I, I liked. That's what I got from it. And very different to scoring a goal. Um, scoring goals was, was, was absolutely fantastic, but... Um, so it's a different adrenaline as such. Different, different, different adrenaline. It's different. It's different. I don't think I'll ever beat... I think... One of my first interviews, I did actually say, oh, that was better than scoring a goal. It's not. It's not. And when I knocked my debut on my boxing, my boxing debut, I stopped him. I was like, oh, my God, like, yeah, this is brilliant. Da, da, da. But no, it, nothing will ever compare to scoring like a very important or winning goal. Leon, you've achieved incredible, incredible amounts at the age of 42. And, um, you know, it's, it's breathtaking some of the stuff you said this evening. What's, what does the future hold for you? Um, to continue to uh, keep trying, um, you know, um, being a co-host that talks sport now, you know, that's opening up a lot of doors. I have a massive documentary that's going to be here with us next year, early next year, hopefully, um, which is about my journey. And I've incorporated mental health, health awareness into that documentary. It's, it's going to be massive. Um, so that hopefully you guys will see that. Um, but yeah, just to, just to kind of just keep doing what I'm doing, um, and keep inspiring, keep pushing. Obviously I'm a personal trainer anyway, so I'm always around the gyms and stuff, but just to continue to, you know, I believe in life, you know, if you truly want to do something, then, then you do it.
and then that's where that's where I am. You know, like I say, who knows? For me, it's about stability now. It's about understanding. Yes, um, yes, I was once what I was, and blah blah. But you know what? You know, I would like um, some sort of stability uh, job going forward, and I, I, I will probably achieve that at some point. Uh, don't you know? I will try and who knows if I if I if the fire service are recruiting. That's something that I may look into. Whatever it would be, um, I just want to try and yeah, keep keep pushing and doing the best I can. And be the best daddy I can, you know, my dad, my children, and my world, and my life, and um, that's where I want to be with it. Leon, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the Sky Blues Extra podcast. You know, not only to talk about your Sky Blues career, but you know, also talk talk through that topic of mental health. We know it's very, very important to a lot of the Sky Blue fans who will be listening to the show. So, so yeah, thank you a lot for that. Thanks for coming on. Take care. Man. And listeners, don't forget to join us live after every Sky Blues game for all of the reaction to the key moments. And if you want to get involved in the conversation on any of our social media channels, just use the hashtag SkyBluesExtraPodcast. Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra Podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.